Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week, I'll explore a case, the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Erin Fleming. Everyone remembers their high school years. The insecurities, the comparison to others. It's a difficult time that I would never want to repeat. Now, some kids do really like high school and they thrive. Others want to forget every moment. The ones that loved it were the popular ones. They had perfect clothes, perfect hair. Everyone wanted to be around them and accepted by them. So when one of the popular girls was brutally stabbed, just yards from her home. One California community was in disbelief. Who would want to kill one of the most popular girls in school and why? This week, I'll talk about the murder of Kirsten Costas. For this article, I used two articles on Medium.com by Lori Johnston and Fatim Hemraj, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and one episode of the 1980s, The Deadliest Decade. So think back to when you were a teenager. It seemed like everything revolved around school. What you wore, who you hung out with. You felt like it could make or break you. If you weren't in with the in crowd, it felt like the end of the world. It's funny looking back how serious we felt as teenagers about everything. Now as adults, that seems like the simpler times. But man, when you're in the thick of it, high school can be very overwhelming. I think it was even more so at Miramonte High School in Orinda, California. 
According to the U.S. News and World Reports, over 98% of its graduates go on to college. Now that's some pressure. In 1984, Orinda was a very affluent suburb across the bay from San Francisco, California. Most of its students at Miramonte had it good. They had good home lives, everything they needed, and more. And just one of those students was 15-year-old Kirsten Costas. Kirsten Marina Costas was born on July 23, 1968, in Oakland, California, to parents Arthur and Barrett Costas. Arthur was an executive at 3M, while Barrett was a stay-at-home mom who volunteered part-time at the community center. Arthur, Barrett, Kirsten, and her brother Peter lived in Orinda. Kirsten was a model student and a cheerleader. She was involved in soccer, baseball, varsity swim team. Most of all, she was popular. And at Miramonte, popularity was the thing. Former students say it was a very competitive place. It was important to look a certain way. In 1984, that look was Izod shirts with topsiders, according to one student. It was all about social status. You know, as if high school isn't hard enough. However, Kirsten Costas was one of the very popular girls. So popular that she was invited to join the elite group called the Baba Links, or Bobbies as they were also known. The group was something like a high school sorority comprised of the most popular kids, usually from the most affluent families. This group was invitation only and very exclusive. The purpose of the group was to raise money for charity, but being in the Baba Links was a definite status symbol. The way former classmates speak of it, it brings to mind the very clicky groups in movies like Mean Girls and Heathers. As one former classmate put it, these girls could break you with just a look. Getting into the Bobbies could change your life, but for Kirsten Costas, it would bring her death. On June 8, 1984, the Bobbalinks had their initiation ceremony. This consisted of the girls having to rub mayonnaise in their hair, put on their mother's ugliest clothes, and to try to sell kisses on the corner for a dime. All very fun, innocent fun and games. Even so, getting into the Bobbies meant you had made it at Miramonte. It was the group all the kids wanted to be in and around. Getting into the Bobbies was obviously a very highly coveted position. So when Kirsten made it in, she was elated. Starting her sophomore year at Miramonte would be a blast because the Bobbies ran the school. Several of the girls received a call over the summer for a special dinner for the Baba Links. Kirsten was away at cheerleading camp when the call came to her house. So Kirsten's mom, Barrett, carefully took down all the details on a notepad. Someone would come by the house and pick Kirsten up for a surprise dinner for the new initiates. Barrett promised to give Kirsten all the details, and the caller also mentioned again that since it was a surprise dinner, not to mention it to anyone else. The event day arrived on June 23, 1984. The Costas' next-door neighbor, Arthur Hillman, was sitting at home playing bridge with his family when he heard a blood-curdling scream. As he rushed outside, he saw Kirsten Costas stumbling towards his door, bleeding profusely. Arthur ran 
towards his neighbor, cradling the young girl, breaking her fall to the ground as he screamed for his son to call 911. Kirsten seemed unable to speak, most likely in shock. Unfortunately, no one was in sight, and the only clue to what happened was a Volvo pulling away from the curb. Kirsten was rushed to the hospital, and her parents were notified of what happened. But Kirsten never recovered from her stab wounds and died at 11 p.m. on June 23, 1984. Now, one of these wounds had bisected the major artery to her heart. She was only 15. Sheriff Richard Rainey was called to the scene. He spoke with Arthur Hillman to try to make sense of what had happened. Arthur said the teen was never able to answer him when he asked her who did this to her. She only gasped that she couldn't breathe. The man did give a description of the car that fled the scene, but he didn't see the driver or notice a license plate number. Then, amazingly, as the men were speaking, this exact same car pulled up to the house. Was this the killer returning to the scene of the crime? The driver of the car got out, and it was a man named Alex Arnold, who had his own interesting story to tell. Alex lived in nearby Moraga, and he said he was at home when he heard a knock on his door. Alex opened the door, and he saw Kirsten standing on his front stoop. She asked to use the phone to call her parents. She said she was out with a friend who started acting weird, and she wanted to get away. She tried to call her parents, but when she couldn't get a hold of them, Alex Arnold offered to just drive the teen home. He saw that Kirsten's nervousness disappeared as they drove along. But on the ride, in the rearview mirror, he noticed a banged-up Ford Pinto following close behind. But when he asked the teen about it, she said it was nothing to worry about. Kirsten's parents were out to a potluck dinner for her little brother's Little League team. When Alex Arnold pulled up to the home, the family was still gone. And Kirsten just shrugged it off, saying she would go to a nearby neighbor's and just wait until they got home. Kirsten exited the car and she thanked the man for the ride. Alex noted that the Ford Pinto had parked behind them, and he watched as Kirsten started the walk to her neighbors. Suddenly, a figure emerged from the Pinto, running towards the teen. He heard Kirsten yell, Go away, you're weird. The next thing he knew, he saw the other figure struggling with the teen, and then he saw Kirsten fall to the ground. She then quickly got up and started running towards the neighbor's house. Alex then observed her assailant running back towards the Ford Pinto. He described her as a chunky teen with stringy blonde hair, wearing a yellow shirt and red sweatpants. It was then that he made this split decision to follow the car. At one point, he wasn't even sure of what he just witnessed. And unfortunately, he lost track of that car. And that's when he decided to return to the scene to see if everything was all right. He didn't even know what actually happened. He thought it was just a fist fight between the girls. Police informed him that Kirsten had been stabbed twice in the stomach, twice in the back, and had defensive wounds all over her hands. They told a man that she unfortunately did not make it. Of course, police were skeptical about the man's story at first, but they were able to corroborate the man's alibi with his wife and his sons. So this left police with this description of the girl Alex Arnold had seen leaving in that Ford Pinto. They first tried to narrow down owners of that type of car, but of course it numbered in the hundreds. Their next step was Miramonte High School. 
Detectives interviewed hundreds of girls, even examining her inner circle of the Bobbies. Quickly, suspicion fell on one girl, Nancy Kane. At one point, they had been tight friends, along with girls like Lauren Shea, Bernadette Prady, and Ashley Mayfield. That was until high school. And then the girls grew apart, or at least Nancy did. Instead of wearing preppy sweaters and having perfectly coiffed hair, Nancy now opted for black clothes, white hair with black chunks, drinking excessively and smoking weed. The Bobbies became the antithesis of everything she believed in, especially Kirsten, who seemed to be this poster child for the group. Nancy had even written in her notebook that she wanted to see Kirsten bleed. Naturally, Nancy Kane became suspect number one. It was even more evident when the first day of school rolled around and Nancy was a no-show. Whispers and rumors flew down the halls of Miramonte, so police decided to officially speak with the teen. Nancy claimed that she was at the theater on the day of the murder seeing Ghostbusters. When they wanted to administer a lie detector test, Nancy's parents stepped in and refused it. But it wasn't long before Nancy returned to the station on her own to state that she had lied to the police. She wasn't at the movies that night. She was at her boyfriend's house. She lied because she didn't want to get in trouble for being with him. But Nancy was honest about her thoughts behind the savage stabbing of her former friend. She said the girls and the bobolinks weren't exactly nice, especially Kirsten. She said she was very straightforward and could even be mean and dismissive at times. But, you know, honestly, that sounds just like a teen girl. Nancy was sure someone at the school had probably had a lot of hatred towards Kirsten Costas. But this was a shocking thought. I mean, this was well before events like Columbine, and schools weren't used to the idea of teens having that much angst towards their fellow classmates. It was an avenue police would have to go down since they didn't have any other leads. Rumors. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Were rampant in the community. That it was everything from a satanic cult to a serial killer. There was even a 24-hour hotline set up just for potential tips. And that's when police decided to reach out to the FBI. They wanted to get a profile of who this killer might be. Unfortunately, this profile took three months to compile. But when it arrived, it was nothing anyone expected. The 14-page profile stated that the killer would definitely be one of Kirsten's peers. She would come from a large family, most likely Catholic, and might even be a close friend of the victim. A knife being used showed that the killer had a great deal of anger towards Kirsten. So with this profile in mind, detectives went back to Miramonte High School to re-examine the suspect list. And that's when one girl stood out, Bernadette Prati whose family owned a mustard-colored Ford Pinto. Now, initially, Bernadette had been ruled out as a suspect due to her alibi of babysitting. And her parents also declared that she never drove the car and she didn't even have her license yet. She had also passed the initial polygraph test. But upon closer inspection, Bernadette's alibi did not hold up. The family that she said she'd been babysitting for hadn't even used her services in over a year. Eventually, she was brought in for another interview. This time, the FBI sat in. They showed the teen the profile that was compiled, but Bernadette didn't break. She was very calm and collected. With no evidence, they would need a confession, and Bernadette wasn't giving it up. When Bernadette got home, she tried to talk to her mother about the whole situation, but her mother put her off saying she's really tired and they could talk about it the next day. So the next morning before school, Bernadette gave her mom a letter asking her to not read it for 30 minutes until after she left. Now, I know what you're thinking. Unbelievably, this mother agreed, set a timer, and waited. Now, I would have read that note immediately, but that's a different story. The note read, Dear Mom and Dad, I've been trying to tell you this all day, but I love you so much. It's too hard so I'm taking the easy way out. The FBI man thinks I did it, and he's right. I've been able to live with it, but I can't ignore it. It's too much for me, and I can't be that deceiving. Please still love me. I can't live unless you love me. I ruined my life and yours, and I don't know what to do, and I'm ashamed and scared. Bernadette. P.S. Please don't say how could you or why, because I don't understand this, and I don't know why. Immediately, Raymond and Elaine Prady picked their daughter up at school and they drove her to the sheriff's office where Bernadette finally confessed to killing Kirsten Costas. The FBI profile was incredibly accurate. Bernadette Prady did indeed come from a large family, six children, of which she was the youngest. Her mother Elaine was a stay-at-home mom, while her father Raymond was a retired public works officer. And just like the profile stated, they were devoutly Catholic. 
Bernadette, unlike Kirsten, had to work a little harder to try to gain popularity. She tried out for cheerleading and yearbook, but failed to land either one. A school ski trip was another disappointment. Unlike the other girls, Bernadette had to save money for her used ski equipment. Not all the other girls had brand new stuff, so you can imagine how that went over. It's like when you're little wearing the generic Adidas shoes with the extra stripe. Some of the girls, including Kirsten, allegedly made very snide comments to the teen. But Bernadette was even more determined to try to get in good favor with the popular crowd. She did manage to get accepted into the Bobbies, which was a very good start. Bernadette knew that to really obtain that coveted status as one of the popular girls, she would need to get Kirsten on her side. So she devised a plan. If she could just talk to Kirsten, she could convince her that she was worthy. She made the call to the house speaking to Barrett Costas about the phony dinner plans. She then told her parents that she had a babysitting job that night. Everything was going as planned. Bernadette picked Kirsten up at 8.30, and the two drove over to the nearby town of Moranga. According to Bernadette, the teens pulled over into a church parking lot where, allegedly, Kirsten started smoking pot, which she offered to Bernadette, who then refused. In this refusal, in addition to Kirsten realizing that there was no dinner for the Bobolinks, started an argument. There was a party that night, but it wasn't exclusively for the initiation. So Kirsten was obviously pissed that she'd been lied to. I don't know if you've ever been around a teen girl recently, but they can get pretty surly. And that's even on the best days. So I can imagine how this situation quickly went from bad to disastrous. Bernadette tried to tell Kirsten how much she liked her and how badly she just wanted to be part of the cool crowd which didn't fly at all with the already enraged girl. Kirsten was angry and told Bernadette that she was weird. And that's when she exited the car and headed for the home of Alex Arnold. Bernadette's plan had completely backfired. She needed to get a hold of the situation and fast. She followed closely as the man drove Kirsten back to her home. In Bernadette's delusional mind, Kirsten was going to tell everyone what had transpired, and she thought that Bernadette was a weirdo. She needed to convince her not to. When she saw Kirsten exit the car and head towards her neighbor's house, she acted on animal instinct. She grabbed a 12-inch blade from a brown bag under the seat. In later court testimony, Bernadette's sister would declare that her sister kept the knife in the car to eat fruit with, but... Others believe that it was there intentionally. Regardless, Bernadette, armed with a knife, ran towards Kirsten Costas, stabbing her repeatedly. It was a cold, callous move that would destroy many lives. Around 10 p.m., Bernadette made it back to her home. She washed the knife, put it back in the kitchen, and threw away her bloody clothes. Later on, she helped her mom walk the dog like... Nothing had ever happened. By 11 p.m., Kirsten Costas was dead. The school was in shock over the development of this case. No one could believe that quiet wannabe Bernadette Prati was the killer. During her trial, Bernadette proclaimed that she never wanted to hurt Kirsten. In her testimony, she said, 
I thought that she was going to tell everybody at school that I was really weird. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. If I'd been thinking straight, it never would have happened. Afterward, I was just so horrified and sick. I have a lot of inferiority feelings, and I feel really bad about myself. I lost for cheerleader. I didn't get into the club I wanted to. I didn't get on the yearbook committee, so I don't know. I just feel bad. She sort of put me down. I remembered one time on the ski trip we were on together. I mean, we don't have a lot of money, and we can't afford a lot of nice ski stuff and some boots, but, you know, I was having fun anyway. Kirsten made some comment about them, and it just seemed like everybody else was thinking that, but she was the only one who would come out and say it. She never liked me, but I thought she was okay. She just said stuff that made me feel bad. It hurt, and I couldn't change, like looks or money or popularity. A judge found Bernadette guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced her to nine years. Bernadette Prati was sent to the California Youth Authority in Ventura, California. After seven years, she was paroled on June 10, 1992, at the age of 23. Eventually, she left the state, changed her name, and assumed a new life. Obvious web sleuths have found out her name and where she is, but I won't go into those details. The Costas family relocated to Hawaii. Kirsten Costas's case gained notoriety with a TV movie starring Tori Spelling called Death of a Cheerleader. Like most, I agree that no matter how much the Bobbies or Kirsten might have made Bernadette feel, it was no cause for murder. That's just a line you never cross. Bernadette deprived Kirsten of ever becoming anything more than a normal teenager. and She never gave her the chance to grow as an individual. I mean, once you're out of high school, you are a completely different person. But Kirsten never got to become that. It's sad that she never had the chance to experience more life. And as far as Bernadette goes, I hope that she regrets what she did. And I truly do hope that it was not premeditated. Regardless, it does not lessen the pain felt by both families, especially the Costas. That was the murder of Kirsten Costas. If you like the podcast, feel free to leave a good review. Believe me, I read plenty of bad ones over the weekend. And also feel free to join the Red Rum Blonde Facebook discussion group. I want to welcome new members, James and Naomi. Thank you very much, Naomi, for your kind words. And everyone, check out James's post. He works with a group of volunteers that search for missing people in the wilderness. And they're creating a database of people that have gone missing in the woods, which to me is amazing work and greatly needed. James, feel free to post anything to the page that will help you out. So you can also find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And I really appreciate each and every person that takes the time to listen. This is truly a labor of love. I research, write, record, and edit every episode on my own. So thanks so much for listening and supporting me and catch you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.